Hey there, Wealth Builders. You're listening to episode number six of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Hall, and my whole goal is to help you understand the world of finance, accounting, and taxes so that your real estate investments and businesses can be run more efficiently and profitably than they ever have before. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and if you're looking for a killer CPA to come in and help you out, roll on over to the client's page, set up an appointment. The first consultation is free, and I promise that you're going to learn something. Let's do it. As a real estate investor, if you haven't yet, you will most likely use cash on cash return at some point in the future to estimate the return on equity that a potential real estate investment will likely grant you should you apply your capital. Many investors use cash on cash returns all the time. New investors use it. Experienced investors use it. I even had an experienced investor come to me the other week. He was seeking CPA level services and he started talking about his real estate portfolio And he alluded to the fact that he was evaluating his portfolio performance by using cash on cash returns basically year in and year out. And how I know this is because he said my cash on cash return on average for my portfolio is this X percent. And so that kind of threw a red flag up for me because you don't necessarily use cash on cash returns on an ongoing basis. It's just not a good metric to measure or to evaluate your portfolio performance on an ongoing basis. And so I took some time to explain to this guy what metrics were out there and why the cash on cash return metric is good, but then also why it's not necessarily the greatest metric to evaluate your portfolio performance on an ongoing basis. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. But before we jump into that story, first, thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you're all having a great weekend. It's because you're here listening that I continue to do this. Um, I, I really like talking on a podcast and delivering information that way. So I hope that you like listening to it. Uh, Feel free to leave us a review. I believe we're now on iTunes. You can follow us on SoundCloud. Also like us on Facebook and Twitter. The newsletter, the real estate newsletter, you can sign up for that on our website. Like literally it's it's the buttons everywhere on the website. Just click subscribe. Go ahead and sign up for that. And what that's going to give you is content. It's on a biweekly basis, so it'll keep you updated on the latest content. We'll also have some other extra stuff in there every once in a while. So make sure you, that you sign up for that so that you are on top of everything. And lastly, go download the property basis and depreciation calculator. If you're a real estate investor and you're buying rental property, you need this calculator. It's free. I'm not charging anything. So go download it, explore it, and you can always contact me if you have any questions. Okay, back to cash on cash returns. So for those of you that don't know, the cash on cash return is a return on equity measurement. It's easy to calculate. Easy means comparable. Easy means quick. And that's why the cash on cash return is so popular because it's not rocket science and it doesn't take a PhD to calculate and understand. And that's the key is that it's easy to understand. And once you have a cash on cash return number, so once it's once an opportunity is on cash on cash terms, you can theoretically compare that to different investments such as stocks, though it's not necessarily recommended because there are better methods. To calculate the cash on cash return, you take your pre-tax cash flow and you divide it by the actual cash that you've invested in the property. And the actual cash invested is a little bit challenging to calculate because you not only have the down payment, but you also have closing costs. You have to kind of estimate any sort of seller or lender credits. And then you also have improvements or repairs that you're doing to the property. So as an extremely easy example, let's say that we have a $100,000 property that we're buying. We're 25K all in. 
our annual pre-tax cash flow is $5,000. That means that our cash on cash return is 20% because we do 5,000 divided by 25,000. And so I've been saying pre-tax, you know, pre-tax cash flow. That's what we're looking at when we're calculating the cash on cash return. And it's pre-tax because it focuses on the asset's performance and not necessarily your individual tax position. And that can be a good and a bad thing. So for instance, if you are investing in real estate and you're trying to compare the cash on cash return to a high yield dividend fund, while you definitely want to know how it affects you tax-wise, you also want to know how the particular investment is going to perform itself. And that's what the cash on cash return is going to show you. Now, if we're going to start looking at things like historic tax credit investing or investing in oil syndications where the tax benefits are one of the main reasons that you actually pick up those types of investments, cash on cash return at that point doesn't look as good because, again, it's just valuating the investment and it's not necessarily looking at your personal tax position, which kind of leads me into the shortfalls. So there are shortfalls. The two main ones is that it does not include taxes. So, again, it's not going to look at your personal tax position. And the second one is that it doesn't include the loan pay down and the equity buildup. Because again, remember, we're just looking at the pre-tax cash flow. And that pre-tax cash flow is calculated by taking your gross rental income and subtracting your operating expenses and your mortgage payment, technically called debt service. And so because we are subtracting out our mortgage payment, which includes interest and principal, we're actually saying that principal doesn't count in the cash on cash return. And that is a problem because it doesn't give you the full picture of your return on equity. Because every time that you make a mortgage payment, a portion of that is principal, which is your money. You're technically leaving that money in the asset. You're paying down the loan. You're building your equity. But the cash on cash return completely ignores all of that. But again, this makes for a very simple metric. And you can use this in your investing. It, it's not a bad thing to use in your investing, but you should use it in a particular manner, particularly as a screening tool. So say you're evaluating investment opportunities prior to doing deeper due diligence. The cash on cash return is great for something like that. If you have if you have 100 opportunities that you're trying to screen through, use the cash on cash return. Most of that information is going to be readily available for you. And you can very quickly go in and calculate cash on cash returns. And then that will give you some level of comparison before you take the next step and spend more time with a deeper due diligence. You can also use it to evaluate the first 12 months of performance. Uh, it can be prospective. So you could be estimating this first 12 months of performance. And it can be retrospective. So after that first 12 months, you can look back and say, this is what my cash on cash return was. After that, though, you have the problem of the equity build. You now have new equity in the property. So the cash on cash return is not going to give you an accurate picture after that first 12 months. A better metric to use and one that all of my sophisticated clients use is the internal rate of return. The internal rate of return is fluid and it can be used over multiple years. It takes into account the time value of money, meaning that it's going to be more accurate in the long run. And it takes into, the, it takes into account a projected sale. So the classic example is that if you're buying an apartment building, uh, generally it's an asset reposition type strategy. So you go in, you buy the apartment building, you decrease vacancy, you increase rent, therefore you increase the value of the apartment building itself, and then you sell it after five years. The IRR will help you calculate what your actual return is over those five years per year, but it takes into account that sale at the end of five years. 
So many of my investors and myself, if we're not doing the apartment investing, rather we're investing in small multifamilies or single family units, will actually use the internal rate of return to project a sale. I generally do it starting at year five, and then I'll do it at year five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, all the way up until like 20 or 25 years. And what you'll see is that the internal rate of return actually starts to decay at a certain point and it starts to decrease because, again, it's taking into account the time value of money. It's saying that if you continue to leave your equity in this property, the opportunity cost is going to eat away at your overall return. And that's why the IRR, the internal rate of return, is so powerful and much more useful than the cash on cash returns. Well, I'm not going to jump into how to actually calculate the IRR because it's a very complex calculation. I do encourage you to read up on read up on it a little bit. If you haven't already or you don't or you're not really sure what it is or how to calculate it, read up on it, uh, figure out how to calculate it in Excel because once you can figure that out, it, it's pretty easy to calculate. And it's pretty quick, but it does take a deeper level of understanding, so you will have to spend some time understanding why it matters and how to use it in your investing. And that's all today. I hope I didn't shock you with the short podcast here. But uh, again, please like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter. See, I'm getting better with the social media stuff, not saying like us on Twitter anymore. So anyway, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Please leave us a rating on iTunes. Again, I'm pretty sure that we're up there now. Sign up for the newsletter. We would love to have you. If you have any ideas for a podcast or you would like to see something written about on the blog, feel free to email me at contact at therealestatecpa.com. I love hearing ideas. I've actually heard a couple of ideas that I've put into the queue. So we'll be hitting those within the next couple of weeks here. And that's about it. I hope you guys all have a great rest of your weekend. B-Hall signing out.